Okay. Hello. We need to get started. Let's open with a word of prayer. Our Father, uh, thank you so much. What a great, beautiful day we have this morning. Anticipation of some uh, refreshing rain uh, as the day goes on. I just uh, thank you for uh, that life-sustaining element in our lives. We also are grateful for the life-sustaining element of the Word of God in our lives. We're um, humbled by the fact that you have uh, written to us through these men of God that you called to um, inspire and to leave us with your word. I pray, Father, that we can reflect upon it this morning as we look at the uh, book of Habakkuk and not only understand uh, all of the elements affecting those folks back in that day, but also how it crosses over into understanding our own times and our own lives. And so uh, we pray this and, and give you the glory for all that you can accomplish uh, uh, today and from building, building us up in the faith for tomorrow and the, and the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. So I always start with the panel, and it's good to acknowledge the uh, authority of, of the pastor and the elders, uh, especially since I have a confession to make. I got in trouble last week. <laughs> I went too long. So um, forgive me for that. Um, I, I promise not to go more than 10 minutes too long today. <laughs> I, I, I might get cut off if I go that route. <clears throat> in any event. Here we are. We're, we're looking at Habakkuk. Um, his name means embrace. I, I trust that you got one of the um, uh, bulletins that has all of the information on it. Um, a lot of the things that you can, uh, that you have, you know, like the timeline and whatnot, um, are a little bit redundant at this point in time. You've seen them before, and so we can focus in on Habakkuk there, uh, down on the bottom portion. Um, and you can see that we have, um, uh, before the fall of, of the south, southern kingdom, we have Zephaniah left. And then after the, uh, the fall of both, both of the kingdoms, we have Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So we still have, after today, we still have four more uh, to go and, and a conclusion. <clears throat> so on your bulletins there, I have a complete outline. And one of the things that we can see right off the top is that Habakkuk is someone who appeals to the Lord. And he, he does it in such a way that it echoes a lot of our, our own thinking when we see the, the things that go on around us. I, I don't know about you, but, you know, today with the, um, you know, the, 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 the news window lasts about three hours, and then there's always something else. 
and it's if you if you watch an, enough of it, which is for I I confess I probably watch too much. I like to be informed, but there's so much bad stuff that goes on that um, it, it raises up the same kind of thoughts within us as it as it did back in Habakkuk during his time. He sees the problems um, uh, there in your outline, and um, the Lord explains, and then Habakkuk responds, and and it's that that age-old question: Why do you allow this to happen? Talking about the the disobedience and the the over sin and the cultural decay, um, and. Well, the Lord has an answer. <clears throat> and so toward the end of the book, the prophet enters into uh, prayer. And we can see the fear of the Lord. We can see the omniscience of the Lord. We can see his sovereignty over creation. And then we can also see the juxtaposed side by side. The judgment, punishment, and salvation. And And then at the end, it's after seeing all this in his uh, vision, um, his dilemma was waiting for the Lord to act because these prophetic utterances aren't necessarily coming through the next day. It's, it's going to come through when it's the, the, Lord's, the Lord's time. So this is really an, an interesting and exciting book. I think I can get through it. Pray for me on that real quick so there uh, I came up with five key verses um, two of them in, in chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 and the first one is one, one that is the most telling um, why do you make me see iniquity Habakkuk is complaining why, why are you making me see this and why do you cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. So he's seeing it all, and the Lord is giving it to him to see. And, and it's, it, it's like watching, you know, the, the loop feeds on the news every time there's a shooting on the street or something that's going on. Uh, and of course, me having worked uh, the streets of Los Angeles as a police officer, and and uh, and before that, um, um, over in Vietnam and in the Dominican Republic, and seeing a lot of the things that that I had to see, I I certainly relate uh, to this. One of the things that just jumped into my mind. Uh, when I was in the Dominican Republic, I took had to take a trip across from the, the capital city of Santo Domingo to the other side of the island to get uh, a fuel supply convoy and, and lead the vehicles back to Santo Domingo. And as we traveled across the island, we went from, you know, most of it was dirt roads, um, I think that they've probably improved their status now. But uh, we went from village to village and we encountered these children that would be running around in, in, in the cane fields on one side and the, 
village on another side and these children would come running out as we would crawl through town and and uh what i remember is i seeing naked children with these distended bellies because they were literally starving to death malnutrition and um, one of the things i learned in root was that they they had three meals a day and it consisted of bananas and sugar cane and uh, their hot meal of the day was fried bananas. And, and that's why they were as, as uh, ill as they were. And at young ages, their teeth were black and already fallen out of their, their faces. I saw similar things over in Vietnam. Um, I, I see how the Dominic, Dominican Republic is thriving as a nation today. And I'm kind of glad that I was able to go there and contribute to the help contribute to the end of that revolution. But you know, there's still a lot. There's still corruption and and crime and all kinds of stuff down there in the Dominican Republic. I see it in the news sometimes before. Anyway, verse four. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. I'm never going to make it through this if I keep talking on side like that. Anyway. <laughs> For the wicked surround the righteousness, and there it is. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. We want things to be right, but because the controlling elements of culture make their own rules, and and uh, its wickedness, it surrounds us, and so everything that has to do with justice is. Uh, it's perverted. It's not right. Uh, chapter 2 has a few verses too. Behold, as for the proud one, this is talking about the, the sinner. Um, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. I know you've heard that verse before, and we'll revisit it uh, later. Um, and then chapter uh, 2, verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So we know that in, in, in the end times, in, in the leading up to the millennial kingdom, that the Lord will return. He will restore everything, and uh, he, he, will, he will fill the entire earth with his presence. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. We'll talk about that a little bit later, too. So I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through all of the details on these verses because some of it is, is actually uh, pretty obvious. That first part of verse 3, why do you make me see iniquity? And with the word why is a very strong invective spoken to the, the God of creation. Why are you letting me see this? And it's got an appeal behind it. I don't really want to see this. Um, and so it's a censuring question. Um, and he's being made to do this because the Lord needs him to fulfill the ministry that he's been called to so that he can reveal it so that down through the ages, we can say that we're privileged to be able to see and hear the echoes in our own minds, the same question that we probably would have had under the same story. And in fact, we do have just living in our own society. Yes, wickedness. He had to look upon it. He had to look upon destruction. 
and violence, and it was before him, uh, and it, it, it's something that exists, um, the strife and the contention, and it all arises, increasing um, all the time, and it, 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 it makes his heart heavy, seeing it and feeling it and realizing that there's nothing that he can do. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never, never upheld. I want to focus on that word never. You can see about four lines down, you can see never upheld, never in the notes section underlined in, in, in purple up there if you can see the colors. Uh, that's not present in the uh, English translation. translation. In the Hebrew, it's never upheld, never. And so it's like real strong. These, these, the law is never, 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 never upheld by these people who are supposed to be the ones who are the guardians of it. <clears throat> and this is what surrounds the righteous. This is why our hearts ache when we see what's going on. God, we hear about some of the things that are going on right here in our own community. We know that, uh, that there are some uh, books in the library that some folks would like to see placed in an adult section only, and there's others that want it to be right there in the children's sections, and it creates controversy, the fact that, it, that they're even printed these days. Um, I, I, I know on the, on the news, uh, I, I, I heard about a, a girl in, I don't know, maybe the fifth grade or something like that, was forced to read out loud one of these books that had pictures of compromising situations um, that children shouldn't even be seeing, let alone reading out loud. And when the parent tried to read the same section before the council, the school board, they shut him down because it was inappropriate to read in public. So why was it okay for the girl to read it in school? You know, I, I worked in the, in the largest high school in the country for 15 years, Roosevelt High School in, in East Los Angeles. We had about 360 teachers. And, and I'm not exaggerating, two-thirds of them were card-carrying communists. And I was the only Christian that was willing to speak out in that whole, whole bunch of, of teachers, although I know that there were some, and later a couple of others came along that, stood with me and, and did speak out. But I would go and, uh, teachers often have to go and cover other teachers' classes if they failed to get a substitute or whatever. And, and I would go into all these different classrooms and um, I was astounded. The, the, the American flag was not present. And they would have flags up that, um, that had images of uh, Che Chavera you know who he was, the Cuban assassin, and and uh, Cesar Chavez, who was the uh, the, the leader of the, um, the the crop picker union, 
<clears throat> and and you name <clears throat> you name the individual, and even the the group. There was a group called La Raza, which means the people, and there was another group called uh, the Aztecas, which is a group that that believes that that the whole southern portion of the United States and all of California needs to be taken back violently uh, for the Aztec people. That's the environment that I worked on. Well, I went to the principal once and I, I complained about it. I wasn't afraid to do that. Uh, about a week later, my room was vandalized. My flag was torn down and shredded and uh, some nasty things were written on the chalkboard and all my decorations were destroyed anyway. Um, yeah, I, I, I relate very, very strongly. Uh, and and I, I know that as I speak of my own experiences, and I see some nodding of heads, that you, you, you relate to it as well. And that's a good thing. That's, that's why we're studying this. Um, and then the last line there, therefore justice comes out perverted. And, and um, we still live in such times. Uh, this key verse has to do with the soul of man. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Now, if you jump down to the bottom, Romans 1.17 echoes that uh, verse. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And um, if you look at the, light, the very bottom note there, upon understanding this, Martin Luther came to faith in Jesus Christ and the Protestant Reformation was born. Before that, he believed that he had to do works. He believed, you know, crawling up the steps on his knees and using um, uh, frag-type devices to flail open your back was, was the, the route to salvation. And uh, the, the Lord revealed to him this truth. And um, so, you know, it's by faith. It's by faith. And then uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 14 has to do with restoration, which includes um, judgment and punishment. And then at the right time, restoration and, of course, the Lord, Yahweh, is identified here, the I am, the one who was, who is, who is to come. And it talks about his glory, um, which it re is reference to his holy nature and his majesty. It will, it will cover, uh, like the waters cover the sea. It will cover everything. And if you understand how water works, um, it always finds the extent of its level. No matter how deep it is, it will go to its furthest extent. And, and what this is saying is that that, that that majesty of the Lord will cover the entire earth and there will be nothing that would be able to block it. And then the last part here, devotion, but the Lord is as a holy temple, let the earth be signed up before him. And again, reference to the Lord, Yahweh, um, and the call to be silent has to do with worship. <clears throat> we'll talk about that. Yeah.
this is my panel on, uh, in reference to living by faith. It has to do what the Lord really desires. He doesn't desire those sacrifices like Martin Luther used to subject himself to, but just to the heart, turning to God, uh, yielding to God, being broken by God so that the wickedness that is resident within can be nailed to the cross and that wickedness destroyed so that Jesus' righteousness can dwell in the heart of the man or woman of faith. And so that's what this is talking about. And it's all, it's all about yielding to God because all the verbs in here are passive. It means that God is the one doing the acting. But he needs that submissive heart and that recognition of what's inside. And that's, that's what repentance is called. Uh, okay, these are great uh, identification. They're, they're in your bulletin. The theme, faith is not a singular act in a moment of time. It is a continuing relationship. We, non- we understand that. Once saved, always saved. And so we walk with God. And if we sin, we have to confess our sin. And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The faithful is made righteous by the Lord and will remain steadfast throughout life in that cooperative relationship. The purpose is to present the picture of a man who trusts in the Lord who lives by faith but questions the presence and power of evil. That's a good thing to do. The more we question it, the more we can attempt to do something about it. We're privileged in this country that we have the right to vote. We understand that God, whoever is in power, are the ones that God places there. Yes, but we have the ability to change that if it's the Lord's will. Unfortunately, things aren't looking so good lately, the way they're going. But the questions that he has are answered. And I'm going to jump over here to summary first. The sovereign Lord is trustworthy, and he is just and acts in righteousness against evil. And then I want you to really focus <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> on this last one, method. Habakkuk is what's called a theodicy, which is a defense of the Lord's goodness in view of the existence of evil. So he, he identifies the evil, but then he defends the Lord. And, and that's why it has such power and strength in, in dealing with what we see in our world today. <clears throat> the author, as with many of the minor prophets, only with the book itself, Reveals is known about the prophet. Uh, The problem, there is no information in this book about him, leaving only speculation and some ideas from tradition. Because verse 1 gives clear name identification, it is assumed Habakkuk was well known during his time of ministry, and it is certain that he served during the time of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Zephaniah. So, you know, these people, all these prophets, they live in a pretty small area of the world and and they were all aware of each other and and uh, um 
I, I think that's fascinating too. I, we don't have any any information about whether or not Habakkuk got together with Jeremiah or or, or whatever, but it would be kind of interesting to speculate on that. They certainly uh, were given the word of the Lord to present to the people of God and to record it for our benefit. And there's no inconsistency between those. So that's good. So here we have the date. It's between 625 and 606 B.C., predicting the fall of the southern kingdom to Babylon in 857 approximately. Don't you like that little swirly, colorful picture thing? I'd love stuff like that. I, it's the artist in me that's never come out. <laughs> so and you're, on, on the one map, you can see the extent of the Assyrian Empire in regards to the taking away of the north. And you see what's, what's left of Judah. Um, uh, you, you, you still have Ammon and Moab and Edom and Philistia and Egypt kind of squeezing in. Um, and that's where a lot of the problems occur because they go to some of those other entities rather than to God. We talked about that a little bit last week. So Habakkuk grows up at the uh, nexus of history. Assyria itself was about to fall, and Babylon about to become the preeminent world power. Egypt and Judah battled at Medigo, Egypt helping the fleeing rulers of Assyria. Good King Josiah of Judah was killed during the battle in 623. Josiah was succeeded by his son Jehoahaz and his grandson Jehoiakim in 608. These two successors to Josiah led the nation to quickly revert to violence, wickedness, and deceit. Um, we know that the high places were never completely taken away, even under good King Josiah. Uh, uh, and uh, the connection between Wednesday night and that little bit of information is an exciting nexus of, in and of itself. Um, so it, it's, it's filled in a lot of the blanks for me as, as well. Then Nebuchadnezzar II came along uh, in Babylon in the 605. Take a, a good note of the scripture there. You want only dishonest gain to shed innocent blood to oppress and extort was the way that the nation was operating. So here's a little background history. Um, this is the Assyrian Empire um, uh, during the time and it extended all the way over into Africa uh, and you can see uh, all the way up into uh, Asia Minor and, and all the way over to uh, Ur, which is where Abraham started. And I wanted you to see that. And then you can see the red line that, that his travels led him into the land of Canaan. Um, and that's what that scripture says. And that's where they settled. And that was going to be uh, the future promised land. Uh, and then you have this additional background history. This is where this is where Israel entered into the promised land before it was given to them. And you can see all the nations that were there. Their, their terroristic 
abusive, um, war-making nations uh, were far worse than Israel, which is why the Lord gave, gave this to the Israelites. But, of course, with the minor prophets, we're talking about them losing it until the end times. So we'll go to the text and try to get through this. Chapter 1, verse 1, and um, uh, it's, it's called the oracle. And, and I wanted to find what an oracle is under the definition used here. Um, the first verses set the stage for this prophet, an oracle, that which is seen, that which is seen, and is a lifted burden. We understand from his language, why do you allow me to see these things? It's a burden for him, a heavy load in the form of an expression from the desires of one's heart, and in context, a somber appeal. So the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw, how long... How long, O oh Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. And then here's that primary verse. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. So there's that context and so even Jeremiah raises the questions why have the wicked prospered prospered why are the treacherous at ease uh, Ezekiel 33:11 says this say to them as i live declares the lord god i have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked turn from his way and live turn back turn back from your evil ways so the longevity of these abusive nations has to do with the, the Lord's long-suffering allowance and desire that they turn back. Remember Jonah going to Nineveh and then the, the prophet a couple of weeks ago that had to go back because they failed to train their children in the ways of the Lord and they reverted to the injustices that were there before and eventually Punishment wiped out Nineveh. But the Lord desires that evil men repent. And if you don't think that you're evil and that that's what you repented of, then you need to think of your, what your relationship with the Lord is. You have to understand that your inner man is, is wicked beyond. The Bible says in both the Old and New Testament, there is none who are good, not one. I expressed my testimony last week. And I, I recognize, I was, a, I was a cop at the time. I carried a badge. Uh, I thought I was a moral upright being. And that night that I got saved, it was revealed to me how terribly, terribly wicked and deceitful I was in my inner man and how undeserving I was of the righteousness of Christ. That's the definition of grace. Praise the Lord. Look, observe, be astonished, wonder, 
I am doing something you would not be, be, believe. Behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Well, the Chaldeans are the Babylonians. They were a dreaded, self-deifying horde used of God to carry out his judgment against Judah. Uh, fierce, impetuous people who marched through the earth and seized places not their own, dreaded and feared their justice and thr- it, it sounds like history's repeated since then, hasn't it? It makes me think of, of Mao Tung marching across China, killing everybody who didn't embrace his vision uh, of, the, of the world. And so it, it raises up these same questions. And, and Stalin and, and, and Lenin, Marx, who is one of the controlling forces of the terrible things that are happening in our day and age. If you don't understand those things, of course, uh, educators fail to communicate a lot of that these days. At least back in our day and where we grew up in the San Fernando Valley, and I'm referring to my two good friends that lived there with me. Um, schools weren't too bad back then. One of my teachers, um, who actually went to the same teacher as I, uh, church as I did, and was a, a Christian woman, she just passed away a few weeks ago at the age of 100. She had a big influence upon me. I didn't even know it until after I came to the Lord. So th- these, these folks, let me uh, define them. They're dreaded and feared. Their justice and authority originate with themselves. You get that? With themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, keener than wolves. Their horsemen come galloping, fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They come for violence. Their horde moves forward. They collect captives like sand. They mock kings and rulers are a laughing matter. They laugh at every fortress and heap of rubble, heap up rubble. They sweep through like the wind and pass on. They will be held guilty who strengthens their God. Now, the interesting thing about these verses is, as he speaks them, it's really not that far off for Judah at this point in time. Hebrews 13, 37 says, Yet in a while he who is coming will come and will not delay. So, you know, time is not a binding element for the Lord. And and his own timing will unfold. And, and he, he will restore everything. Uh, and then it talks about the Lord. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge. And you, O Rock, have established them to correct. And we understand that Jesus is the Rock. Look at the verse at the bottom of the page. It says, concerning the Rock which followed them, the Rock was Christ. That was Paul writing. And then it goes on to talk about the Chaldeans uh, some more. Um, that last verse there, will they therefore empty their net and continue, continually slay nations without sparing? And the answer is yes. And then this is, this is kind of cynical if you, if you look at it, but it's also the place where we are supposed to be. 
Um, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal. It will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. <clears throat> I'm, I'm uh, <clears throat> been invited to preach on the 25th when pastor's out of town. <clears throat> Excuse me, of June. And I'm going to be talking about, uh, I'm going to do a word study on what it means to stand. Um, and so I, I can really relate to that. The, the prophet knows what it means to wait, to be vigilant, to warn others, because judgment will not fail. In the scripture there, the Lord is not slow about his promises. Some count slowness. TikTok. <laughs> Behold, the proud one, his soul is not right, but the righteous will live by faith. Further, wine betrays the haughty. Strong drink is not a good thing to be involved in. Don't want to go any further than that, just to express it. So that he does not stay home. He enlarges his appetite like shale. Uh, he is like death, never satisfied. He gathers all nations and collects all peoples. Will not these take up a taunt song against him? Mockery and insinuations and say, Woe to him who increases what is not his. For how long? And makes himself rich with loans? Uh, there's an expression for that. It's called usury. We live in a society that practices usury. Um, anybody in here that doesn't have a credit card? I, I have credit cards, but I pay them off every month. You know, be, because those, those interest rates are, by definition, usury. Uh, will not your creditors rise up and collect from you? Awaken. You'll become plunder for them because you have looted. The remainder of them will loot you due to human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town, and all its inhabitants. So this indictment brings about an important concept of Sheol, the world of the dead, the abode of the wicked. It's called the place of torments in the scripture. It's called Hades. Um, we, we hear about it in the story in Luke 16 of Lazarus and the rich man. Um, and it reveals that Hades is separated from the bosom of the Lord of Abraham, paradise by an uncrossable gulf. Now, I, got, I once got accused of, of heresy when I expressed this in, in, in the Presbyterian church. But the, the scripture indicates that Hades is below us. We don't know how the, that the dimensions and structures all work, but that's, you know, it, what the, the Apostles' Creed said that he, had, he descended into hell, which is also Hades. And, and he did speak to the, to the thief on the cross. And he said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. That's the scripture verse at the bottom, the bottom of the page. And the story of Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man went to the place of torments. And 
the poor man went to the bosom of Abraham. And there was an incrossable gulf separating the two. And Lazarus appealed, could you send someone to tell them and warn them? And of course, the expression was, they have Moses and the prophets. That's all the warning that anyone's going to get. And and so um, when you think about um, Jesus on the cross and saying to the thief, today you will be, be with me in paradise, he was telling that man that he was saved and that he was going to be with him in the bosom of Abraham. Um, and, and we know in the last day, the dead in Christ will rise. That includes those who are still waiting in the bosom of Abraham. And what an exciting thing to be behold when it takes place. Uh, let's see here. This is um, I, wa- I want to. This is more uh, of the same indictment that's going on, and you jump down to the bottom. Verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Uh, Psalm 22, 27 uh, reiterates that all the earth will remember and turn to the Lord in worship. Um, this is, a, if you drop down to the middle, this is, this is talking about, uh, again, the the disobedience and the idol worship. And uh, at verse 18, it says, what profit is the idol? And I want to throw this out here. Um, and I'm going to read now further. When it makes, when its maker has carved it or an image, a teacher of falsehood for its maker trusts in his handiwork when he fashions speechless idols. Woe to him who says to wood, awake. To a mute stone, arise. And that is your teacher? No, our teacher is the living God. And these people back then were still worshiping the golden calf and wooden and stone idols. Revelations 9.20 says it well. Idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood cannot hear or walk. Um. Chapter 3 is the prayer of the prophet. There, it uses the word shigionoth. Uh, it's a musical term suggesting that what follows is a song of deep, passionate, and personal feelings because we do understand that because of what he saw, it created this strong emotional response in him as what we see in our world should create that same kind of emotional response. James 2.13, judgment will be merciless. Um, Let's bring this one up. Uh, This is talking about the glory of the Lord. um, And uh, it uses an expression in there. It says, Shelah, and that, that word is a, uh, an imperative calling for a pause for deep reverence. I've only got two minutes left. Uh, and, uh, and then it also is it's talking about his splendor. 
and, and how it would be pervasive in covering the earth. Tremble over the earth before the Lord, before the God of Jacob. Uh, this last part here, again, the reference to uh, Selah, pause for worship. And then it talks at the bottom there, it talks about at the radiance of your gleaming spear. Sun and moon stood in their places. They went at the light of your arrows, at the radiance of your gleaming spear. Isaiah 6.3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, this also has a Selah pause. In it, it talks about um, his going forth for salvation of his people and, and how um, uh, it, it uses a lot of uh, metaphors to describe uh, how the Lord over, overcomes his, his enemies. Um, I heard and my inward parts trembled. My lips quivered, decay enters my bones, and I tremble. This is Habakkuk, because I must wait quietly for the day of distress. So what we get here is a picture of Habakkuk waiting, understanding that it has to wait, and then verse 18, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. In spite of the abusives that we see and feel around us, we wait quietly. We understand he is coming. And we exult in the Lord while we wait. Even Jacob said to his sons, for your salvation, I wait. Oh, Lord. And that brings us to the, uh, the, the last page. And I want to take one more minute and just say one thing about what it means to, to, to worship the Lord when you're reading things like this. And it actually causes you to stop and to reflect upon his glory and to worship him in the deepest parts of your soul. I, I, I remember I was working in my yard once up in Montana and it, it started to rain. It was late in the evening and the sun was at a particular angle and, and the rain was falling at a particular angle for the force of the wind. And the, the rays of the sun caught the, the raindrops and the raindrops turned into golden spears. They were elongated. Have anybody seen anything like that? And and. All I could do at that moment was to sit down on the wall that I was working on and just worship God. And I, I started to sing hymns. Uh, some of my neighbors mentioned that they heard me. And that's okay. That's what we're called to do as we wait. Um, this prophecy was given to a man and we praise God that it was from God expressed to us. Let's give God the praise. Thank you, Lord, for um, giving us the time to get through this wonderful book and uh, the opportunity to understand what it means to wait and to praise you and to celebrate you and to rejoice with our own salvation. Use us as your tools, Father, in this corrupt world that we live in. 
in Jesus' name, amen.